0: This is Squawk Pod.
1: I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, it's a drone, it's a plane, it's, well, both. The Boeing 737 MAX takes to the skies once again after 20 months of being grounded. CNBC's Phil LeBeau is masked, buckled, and ready to fly.
2: For Boeing, the hope is that this is the beginning of turning the page more completely with the MAX in terms of starting to fill out the production schedule over 2021 and then into 2022.
1: And not quite on the same flight path, drones may be coming to a sky near you, and they could be bearing gifts. It could deliver you a chalupa.
3: Would the cheese be all gross and- Congealed.
1: Plus, up in the virtual clouds, the 2020 Unicorn Roundup continues. The second company in our billion-dollar Plus Club series, MessageBird, CEO Robert Viz is taking on Twilio and changing the way companies communicate.
4: We're on a mission to make communicating with your business feel as natural, as easy as talking to your friend.
1: It's Tuesday, December 29th, 2020.
3: It's the eve of the eve of New Year's Eve, I think.
1: Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Melissa Lee, along with Joe Kernan and Mike Santoli. Becky and Andrew have the day off. First up on today's podcast, the 737 MAX is back in action. Today, American Airlines is set to operate the first US commercial flight of Boeing's 737 MAX in 20 months. Flight 718 will depart Miami International Airport for New York's LaGuardia. The milestone flight comes after what became the largest grounding in US aviation history. The MAX was grounded in March 2019 after two fatal crashes within a five-month span, killing 346 people. Pilots in both crashes, the Lion Air Flight 610 and Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302, battled an automated flight control system that was erroneously activated. The Federal Aviation Administration lifted the grounding last month after Boeing signed off on several safety-related changes. Those included making the flight control system less aggressive, providing more redundancies, and implementing more robust pilot training. But the plane is returning to a dismal air travel market because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Airlines have slashed capacity this year, which is a stark contrast from 2019 when they were clamoring for the jet's return to meet passenger demand. Melissa Lee spoke with our very own auto and airline industry reporter, Phil LeBeau who will be on that first Boeing flight between Miami and New York today. Here's Phil, who's standing with his mask in a relatively busy terminal in Miami airport.
2: Look, a big part of not only today, but over the next several weeks and months will be the reception of the flying public To the 737 max how comfortable are they getting back on board yesterday ipsos and reuters released a poll where they talked with travelers and a couple of interesting things here first of all just 37 percent of those questioned were familiar with the two crashes involving the 737 max one in late 2018 another one in early 2019. Of the people who were questioned, 57% when asked about the MAX, understanding all the issues that have taken place over the last year and a half, two years, they say they're unlikely to fly the plane. 37% say they're willing to fly the MAX, but they want to wait a while. They want to give it six months when it's in service, when they don't feel like there are any potential issues that might pop up. For American Airlines, getting people comfortable starts today. Now they're gonna be flying the MAX daily between New York and Miami. This first flight going up to LaGuardia, it's about half full. Coming back later today, it's almost completely full. They have 24 737 Maxes that they're gonna feather into the schedule in the first half of this year. If you take a look at shares of American Airlines, all of the airline stocks moving a little bit higher not necessarily just because of the MAX coming back in service, but a number of other issues regarding uh, the stimulus package being passed and the belief that perhaps we'll be coming out of the pandemic soon. We've talked about this for some time. Boeing lost a lot of orders this year for the 737 MAX. More than 1,000 were taken off the books, but they have logged 98 MAX orders this month, guys. So for Boeing, the hope is that this is the beginning of turning the page more completely with the MAX in terms of starting to fill out the production schedule over 2021 and then into 2022. Guys, the flight takes off at 10.30. We'll be in New York by 1.30. Back to you.
1: In time for fast money. We got a bonus hour tonight, Phil. So we look forward to that. In, In terms of those 98 MAX orders, though, we make a big deal out of it. And of course, airplane aircraft are never sold at list price. There's always some sort of a discount. But should we be concerned that the discount is even greater for these particular orders?
2: Well, I'm sure it's, it's greater than it was when they first introduced the max. There's no doubt about that. Boeing is going to have to work harder. And these were two established customers who placed these 98 orders, one of them, 75 planes with Ryanair, which is really the Boeing's, one of its core customers over in Europe. And then you heard last week from Alaska Airlines adding on another 23,737 Maxes to its existing order. And by the way, those Alaska Maxes, those will be delivered in the first quarter. They plan to start flying the
3: MAX sometime in March.
1: All right, Phil, we'll see you later.
3: The FAA, as we were talking about, ruled that small drones will be allowed to fly over people and at night in the United States. That's a significant step towards their use for widespread commercial deliveries. The FAA will address security concerns by requiring remote ID technology that will enable drones to be identified from the ground. That technology has been described as like a digital license plate for drones. I don't know. I don't know. What's the world gonna be like? Be... Are you scared of them, Joe? It sounds like you're scared of them. Does it? I don't know if I'm scared of them. It's I don't know if I wanna look in your voice. I don't know if I wanna look up and just see a bunch of them though. It's I guess it's futuristic. They're quiet. They can be quiet, right? They're just kinda they look like big like dragonflies sometimes. Um I guess that's it's good. If I can get some <laughs> You know, the, the, the nearest Taco Bell to my house, and there used to be can one five... It could deliver you a chalupa. Right. There used to be one like three minutes away, and now it's, it's like about 25 minutes. And it has, it's affected me. It's affected, uh, affected Not my life. You lost weight. Could it get there quickly enough? You think the, like, would the, would the nachos, would the cheese be all gross and... Congealed. And hardened? I don't know. Depends on how quickly they can do it. We'll have to
1: see. We'll have to see. Next on SquawkPod, the Unicorn Roundup continues with MessageBird, the next company in our Billion Dollar Plus Club.
4: We're building the entire infrastructure for a business to be able to communicate with their customers and to make it feel as easy and natural as a friend.
1: We'll be right back. Welcome back. Next up on today's Squawk Pod, the second installment of our Billion Dollar Plus Club series. On this last week of 2020, as we wind down the year and hopefully move toward the end of the coronavirus pandemic, we're highlighting some business magic. Unicorns, private companies valued at over a billion dollars, abound, even now. Yesterday, we highlighted Klaviyo, a $4 billion private company automating marketing and helping businesses pivot online. Check out Monday Squawk Pod to hear more about that company. For today, the unicorn in focus is MessageBird. It's an EU-based omni-channel messaging platform servicing companies like Uber, Lufthansa, and SAP. And its valuation currently sits at $3 billion. It started the year with $100 million raised but by October of 2020, it raised another $200 million and propelled itself firmly into unicorn territory. MessageBird is considered by many to be Europe's answer to Twilio, the US-based cloud communications platform that was also considered a unicorn. Twilio went public in 2016 and it has done well since. Of course, the pandemic has proved a substantial tailwind for companies like Twilio and MessageBird that enable SMS and messaging between companies and consumers. MessageBird is 9 years old and has 15,000 customers. Now, that's not quite as hefty as Twilio's 50,000 customers, but MessageBird has an impressive network. So far, it has partnered with Salesforce, Google Cloud, Viber, and WhatsApp. Plus, MessageBird is international, Most of its clients are in Southeast Asia, Europe, and Latin America. And according to its CEO, Robert Viz, they're happy there, for now. Robert joined our TV broadcast this morning alongside one of his investors and now board member, Will Reed. Will is a general partner at Spark Capital, a venture capital firm that's backed the likes of Twitter, Plaid, Postmates, Slack, Coinbase, and others. Here's Mike Santoli kicking off that conversation.
5: Welcome to you both, uh, guys. Good to have you this morning. Robert, um, you know, we mentioned you guys have been at this nine years, been some acceleration, I, I take it, in growth over this period. Talk a little bit about specifically what market, what, what the tools are uh, that MessageBird provides and, and why it's been, uh, you know, experiencing this kind of growth during this period.
4: Yeah, thank you. Well, look, I mean, first of all, um, as I believe sometimes this gets uh, forgotten uh, um, during what's going on, I mean, i just like to say, I mean, we're obviously super fortunate to be on the right side of the market, and our sympathy and heart goes out for everyone who's suffering um, in this crazy time. At MessageBird, you know, we're on a mission to make communicating with your business feel as natural, as easy as talking to your friends. And what we mean by that is that if you connect to any of your friends, you'd have the context of your last conversation. It'd be a very efficient way if you're meeting for coffee. Um, and businesses don't have that same efficiency. We're building the entire infrastructure for a business to be able to communicate with their customers. And to make it feel as easy and natural as a friend.
5: Okay, so it's essentially um, it, it automated messaging and, and, and customer service, customer communications type thing. How would a how would a an individual encounter your software uh, out in the wild, so to speak? I mean, that's a good,
4: that's a that's a great question, and we talk about a lot on how to how to explain this to people. I mean, on the business side, the way that you should see this is like we give uh, businesses access to all channels that their customers are actually on. Then we focus on the data that that generates and we create workflows, automation, and essentially killing repetitive paths. Now on the consumer side, what we really focus on is we make absolutely sure that when you interact with a business, you get a fast response um, back and it's way more efficient than email or voice. So think about the time you've uh, sat on hold for 40 minutes waiting for a representative to pick up the phone and help you with your problem. We think messaging is a way more efficient way to do that.
5: Talk a little bit about what you saw here as the opportunity and what's happening in the market right now in terms of adoption of, you know, digitization of everything uh, and, and whether, in fact, it's going to continue this way.
4: Look, I mean, COVID has been a tailwind for our business. Right. Uh, but it's been a, a result of 20 years of digital transformation um, at our company. We always move at speeds to uh, 200 miles an hour, 24, uh, 7, 365 days a year. Um, and when COVID hit, we, we had a search in demand and we accelerated in the same way we always do. Um, so COVID helped our business, but the acceleration was long before COVID happened.
5: Yeah. And, and Will, I'm sorry, if you if you just weigh in on, uh, I guess, from a broader perspective, as you're looking at uh, at other startups, other opportunities in your portfolio, how does this all uh, kind of get uh, get played from here, I guess?
6: Yeah, totally. Like Like Robert alluded to, I think. You know, we continue to invest behind the same trends that we were investing behind pre-pandemic. Really what we're seeing is sort of, you know, the next handful of years of digital adoption being pulled forward to, to this year when in you know in March basically every business's storefront became their their digital footprint and, and we think sort of the most forward-looking businesses are are partnering with tools like MessageBird to
5: And longer term, um, are these companies going to be uh, kind of uh, best as a standalone or as incorporated into a full suite? I mean, you know, you can think a very obvious example of something like Slack. It's going to get folded into Salesforce. Well, is there is there a dynamic down the road where this is going to get recombined uh, and you're going to have basically a huge menu of these types of software tools within a big company?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, if if you if you consider MessageBird's market, the CPaaS market or the communication platform or the service market, yeah, like I think you're, what you're seeing now is consolidation around vendors like a messagebird And really what it is, is, you know, going from a world where, you know, you're working with one vendor for a particular geography uh, in a particular channel towards a world where you're consolidating spend around sort of one global on channel vendor where you can talk to any of your customers on any channel. And, and we think MessageBird is ultimately going to be a consolidator in this market versus one of the consolidated
5: Uh, Robert, we were just talking about uh, how the the public market has a tremendous appetite for companies uh, in this general area. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, becoming publicly listed and how might that happen?
3: Look,
4: you know, it's interesting. 10, 20 years ago, I mean, this is my view. uh, The public markets were all about making money and the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time frame. I think today... A lot of the focus is, is on companies providing as much value to customers and, and making their lives more, uh, more easy and the consumer, uh, consumer business side more, uh, more easy. You know, we believe our business to be at the forefront of something that is going to take a very, very long time to, to actually fundamentally change. If you think about it, 80% of the world still on hardware, uh, not on software. Uh, so there's a large thing to go. But to answer your IPO question, the second we think it provides the most value to our customers, we'll come ring the bell. And that, and that might be remotely. Uh, when that's going to be, we'll keep you posted.
5: All right. Well, if it's remotely, one would hope it's going to be soon because maybe we can get back in person uh, down the road a little bit. But uh, we will, uh, we'll keep you uh, we'll to that. We'll, uh, we'll check back. Robert and Will, thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks. thanks. Have a good day.
1: SquawkPod will be right back. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening. On our rundown tomorrow, the next unicorn in our billion-dollar lineup, Uncork, how no-code software is changing the game for the big and the little guys in tech. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin, weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you're listening.
0: We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, package and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.